When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into the latest Tech Sideline podcast. Originating from TSL's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center, whether you're watching or listening, live or archived, we are so glad you could join us today as we record on Wednesday, September 25th, and preview Virginia Tech hosting Duke on Friday night at Lane Stadium. Our crew today, as always, we've got Malcolm, yes, he's related, Stuart, behind the scenes producing on the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our head honcho and founder, Will Stewart, and I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Thanks so much to everybody for being with us. Again, as we get you ready for Virginia Tech and Duke on Friday evening. A reminder that this week and every week, the TSL podcast is proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm, dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. Today, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people. That number continues to grow. One charged million people. <laughs> <laughs> charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll-free at 1-800-680-7031 or email them at info at fisherlegal.com. We'll get to Quentin Harris. We'll get to the Blue Devils. We'll yes, talk we to Sean King. We'll talk Hokies. But first, a couple of announcements. And first, for those that are watching the podcast, they might be wondering why Will is wearing a navy blue polo. <laughs> I wouldn't call it navy blue. That's not navy. Yeah, that's just Duke blue. That's regular. Yeah, why are you wearing a Duke polo? Why are you wearing so, a Duke polo, Will? So I call this my accidental Duke shirt. I, I, I get a lot of stuff at uh, TJ Maxx and Ross. So we're rolling through uh, TJ Maxx one day, probably you know last summer, and I see this shirt. It's a, it's a. If you're watching on the video, it's a, it's a pretty cool Under Armour shirt, and I've actually got a maroon version of this shirt. So I see it, and I'm like, oh man, I love that shirt. I'll get that shirt and take it home. You know, I buy it, and I get it home, and I look at it, and I'm like, oh, that's that's Duke blue. So it's I call it my accidental Duke shirt. So uh, I I guess if you see me around, I will wear it from time to time, but I'll definitely wear it on the podcast when we're playing Duke in football or basketball. So that that's the story of why I'm wearing what what looks like Duke. Is, is blue. this the, uh, a a preview of your predictions to follow at the end of the podcast? Are you trying to pull like a Corzo headgear? Related? No, we've actually done our preview, and the and the the predictions are interesting. And okay. it actually reminds me like when when Tech played Duke in Castle last year, I had this old blue winter coat that uh, I, I figured out after many years I could I, I don't really like the coat but you can remove the lining and I really like the lining so I was wearing the lining and I wore it to this Tech Duke game and at one point I'm looking at myself going this thing is Duke blue <laughs> so I, I have at least two articles of clothing that are Duke blue CC do you have any accidental mm-hmm. other school shirts or polos like that nah nah not yeah, a big fan much, of orange and blue yeah pretty <laughs> much all my stuff is a uh, maroon orange white gray or, or what, the color of one of my other teams. So, no, no accidents here. 
that I know of. <laughs> let's uh, let's also, if the, you're watching on Facebook today or watching live or archived, you can see that our cover photo of the podcast is a beautiful new GMC truck owned by one Will Stewart. Congratulations, Will. New car. How do you feel about it? I feel awesome about the truck. I'm exhausted. It's been eight days since the Miata got totaled, and it's been a very busy eight days of trips to doctors and <coughs> just dealing with the trips to lawyers and dealing with a lot of stuff and uh, trying to cram in work at the same time. Uh, but yesterday, I went down to Charlotte, and I, I bought Darth Vader's truck. Um, <laughs> it's a, a 2019 GMC Sierra. It's an elevation package. And I, you know, we won't spend a lot of time talking about it, but I wanted some very specific things, and I had to go all the way to Charlotte to get them. So it was really cool. I got it at uh, Free Plug, uh, Liberty Buick GMC down in Charlotte. They were great to deal with, and uh, um, it's really different from what uh, I, I used to drive. So, uh, so give me a second here, and I actually want to read some texts that I sent to Malcolm the uh, the other day. So uh, segue into something else while I look them up. You know, I, I love how you said it's the Darth Vader truck. Maybe you open the door and James Earl Jones' voice kind of welcomes you to the car when you first purchase it. Uh, it is a great-looking truck. Yeah, uh, it's all blacked out with black rims, and it's just uh, just super cool. So uh, that was a lot of fun. It's uh, I, I like I, – I tell people all the time I like cars. I don't work on them. I don't like them in that way. I just I just love to buy them and own them and drive them and all that stuff. So, so – uh, you know, we, we've talked about how the Miata got totaled. So uh, after I made the decision to go big and, and get a truck this time, uh, so here are the texts I sent to Malcolm. In the last 20 years, I've been driving three cars that, that have been totaled by larger vehicles. As a sidebar, one of them was my fault. The other two were people just plowing into me. I'm done driving small cars, and the next time someone hits me, I'm going to win. Every day, I see people looking at their phones while they are driving. When one of them finally hits me, I'm going to win. I see deer all over the road at night all the time. When I finally hit one of them, I'm going to win. I rent, So this is true. This was the night of the Clemson game, what I'm about to read. The Clemson game in 2017. I'm driving back country roads on the way home that night. I ran over a raccoon with the Miata, and it did damage that would have cost over $2,000 to fix. A raccoon. If I run over a raccoon with my new truck, you won't even be able to tell. So that's where I am. And I've warned my wife I'm going to have a bit of an attitude now. And I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep it inside. And so we're going to make a shirt for Chris about red-shirting players. And we're going to have a shirt for Will saying, I'm going to win. ABT, always be trucking. <laughs> and on the back, I'm going to win. Uh, for those that are looking at our podcast set, you see in the corner, we've got Stick It In Ale on our set. And we have an update. Yes, so I have been very busy and haven't had a chance to communicate with the brewery or the distribution company blue ridge beverage the brewery is beltway brewing company up in uh, northern virginia and the distribution company is uh, blue ridge beverage in salem uh, we did hear chris communicated with someone who said that there are 400 that blue ridge went to beltway tuesday i think is when they pick up and that they picked up 400 cases and 15 kegs i think they're picking up today today yeah. uh which is on wednesday September yeah 25th. so as long as it, 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 this this stuff usually gets delivered on friday so um so that's what we heard is 400 cases and 15 kegs now to put that in perspective the original run for the uh, odu weekend that was the first home game right was odu that was 300 cases and that sold out quickly 
So uh, I haven't got an updated list on where to buy this. I assume it's the, the 25 places we had listed previously. If you want to know where to get it, just Google where to buy a stick it in ale tech sideline and you'll, you'll get linked to an article that we ran right before the, uh, the ODU game. So this is great. Um, you know, as you know, the profits go to support our philanthropic endeavors, which are important to some people you may know at a university you may be familiar with. Um, and we, you know, it's, we were talking about roughly 10 bucks per case. Um, so gosh, between what they sold at the brewery, that first run that got delivered down here and this run, you're getting up to about a thousand cases now. And so that's about 10,000 bucks that are, that are going towards our philanthropic endeavors. And, uh, I don't even know what, what we make off the kegs, you know, right, right now we and the brewery and the distribution company are just going at it and we're going to figure it out after football season. So this is really exciting stuff. And, uh, if, if you're on the fence, um, I don't, I don't know that we're going to continue to offer this beer. You know, we'll probably continue to offer it through this football season, but I don't really know. You know, I don't know if this is a limited edition thing or if it will carry over into next year. You know, these discussions haven't been had yet. So if you're kind of sitting around, you know, like like back in the back in the 70s, uh, Jimmy Carter's brother, Billy, you know, they, they had a we've talked about this. They they did a beer, Billy beer back then, and it was limited edition. And so if you're on the fence and you're like, I don't I don't know if I can make it to the grocery store this time or not. Uh, go get you some, you know, for it's, it's for a good cause. And uh um, so that's that. It you should be able to find it, no problem this weekend. Awesome. And then last thing, uh, Drive for Twenty Five uh, begins Wednesday, September twenty fifth at noon. And I know uh, Tech Sideline is involved in that again this year. Yes. So uh, last year they called it Drive for Twenty Five Day. Uh, this year they're calling it the Drive for Twenty Five Blitz. And last year it was twenty five hours. This year it is two and a half days. So it starts at noon on Wednesday and runs till midnight Friday. And it is just a, uh, you know, if you've been paying attention and you've been involved in these, you've seen it's, it's a giving day. On the university level, they call it a giving day. And it's just a day to kind of rally people and get them to, you know, donate to the university. And in the case of the Drive for 25, the Hokie Club does it once a year. This is the second one they've done. And they do it to uh, uh, try to get people on board and get the Hokie Club count up to 25,000 members. Um, if I have my numbers correctly, it only takes like 25 bucks. So if you're not a Hokie Club member, donate 25 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. And, you know, just come to the site. We'll have in, in our Twitter feed. We'll have all this publicized. And uh, so one thing I want to add is that people are always talking about what the Hokie Club should do to raise money and add members. And this year they're doing something they've, they, to my knowledge, they've never done it before. And it's pretty neat. Uh, Friday, which, of course, the Duke game is at 7 o'clock that night. Friday, there will be Hokie Club personnel in every single parking lot walking around with, uh, and you can, of course, use cash or check to join, or they will also be able to take your credit card. And so look for Hokie Club people walking throughout the lot. If you're not a Hokie Club member, grab them and uh, sign up. Um, and you can, of course, call them. Uh, Two three one six six one eight, I think, is their phone number. If you use that phone number and uh, you get somebody else, say, "Oh, I'm sorry," and hang up. But I'm pretty sure that's a Hokie Club's phone number, or a Hokie Club at vt.edu. I think is their email address. Um, so, uh, Bill Bill Lansden and I were uh, the head of Hokie, Ho, head of the Hokie Club, and I were talking about this the other day, and I said, 
oh, don't get to those lots too early, you know. Get there a little later after people have been tailgating for a while. And, <laughs> you know, Bill just smiled. <laughs> he said, uh, he said uh, he just smiled and nodded, you know. So, uh, anyway, look for them. And uh, they, they really want to make this a big deal and add. Bill wants to add 5,000 people. So, look for them and jump on board. Fantastic. CC, you ready to talk some football? I am. Okay, let's do this. Uh, since Will did not update his uh, his Twitter bio, right. I am going to uh, tease this for the end of the podcast. Today okay. is National One-Hit Wonder Day. Okay. So I, know I have a, lot a of list wonders. of, of uh, the top five from a Rolling Stones article at the end of the podcast. If you're on Facebook, start naming what you think might be in that top five of the biggest one-hit wonders of all time. So... <laughs> We'll Science. See that at the end of the podcast. <laughs> that might be in there, actually. So, all right, let's get into some football, CC. Uh, let me first ask this. How important was the bye week for Virginia Tech to get guys healthy like Zach Hoyt and Damon Hazleton? I mean, I, I, I think the timing of the bye week was very, very good. Uh, it doesn't mean those guys are going to play on Friday, but it does mean they're closer to getting back, I, I think. And they're one week closer to getting back without Virginia Tech playing a game. Yeah. Uh, so... Virginia Tech badly needs to get Hazleton back, uh, specifically for this game. I mean, the Duke game last year came down to receivers either making plays or not making plays. I know the score line was 31-14, to 14 and on paper it was one of the best games Tech played last year, which of course it was, but when it came, you go back and watch that tape, and Duke receivers twice in the end zone with one-on-one opportunities failed to come up with a catch against Tech defensive backs. Meanwhile, Virginia Tech's receivers made four or five such catches over Duke's defensive backs in one-on-one coverage, and, and that was the difference in the game. And Virginia Tech's quarterback was Ryan Willis, and Duke's quarterback now starts for the New York Giants. Yeah. Um, so if I'm Duke, I don't know we'll talk about this later, I, I'm doing everything in my power to take away those one-on-one opportunities this year and make Virginia Tech drive the length of the field with the running game and the short to intermediate passing game. You know, Coach yeah, so, to- so, so plays, let me interrupt and say, plays that, uh, that in, in preparing for this game that I was reminded of was – I think we all remember the Dalton Keene, you know, screen pass that he turned into like 70, 80-yard touchdown. Uh, I went back and watched that play this morning. He he stiff-armed a couple of guys, broke some tackles. Great play. Kuma, I think, had he a tough catch. He laid some dude out. Yeah. Oh, on the Dalton Keene run. Yeah, yeah. Kuma, Kuma uh, uh, sold out and, and blocked the last guy who could have tackled Keene. I think Kuma had a, had a nice touchdown catch, if I remember correctly. I don't the, remember whether it was a touchdown, but I know he had a big catch in traffic. I yeah. know uh, – I know Trey Turner went up over a defensive back and called a pass. And then uh, the, Phil, the, Phil Patterson called. Yeah, the play I've forgotten about was where Phil Patterson uh, went up in the end zone with a Duke defender and, and knocked the guy's helmet off and made the catch. You We've remember? got a good picture of that. I should probably. Uh, oh, I've, I've already put that. it in the. Uh, okay. We haven't run the preview yet, but I've put that picture in the preview. It's uh, you can't see Patterson, but you can see the Duke guy with his helmet flying off. So, <laughs> a lot. Of, Chris is right. A lot of a lot of big plays made by uh, receivers and and Dalton Keene. Yeah, neither team could run the football. So it just came down to receivers making plays, and Tex did, and Dukes did not. Which might lead into our preview just a little bit later when we talk about Duke. I want to talk more about guys like Zach Hoyt and Damon Hazleton. Coach Fuente at the press conference basically saying a lot of those guys are day-to-day. What are the chances, in your opinion, that Damon Hazleton plays Friday versus Duke? I'd just be guessing. I don't. Sure. I know nothing. My, my gut feeling is it's just trending downward. Yeah, I agree. You know? Um, um, and I, and and I, I don't. There's not any particular reason I say that. You um, know? Yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't know how a hamstring injury that occurs in early August isn't okay by the end of September. Um, 
It, you know, but, Fuente is very protective of his players from that standpoint. He doesn't want to put them in a position to be criticized. Uh, even if they're in his doghouse, he won't say so. Right. You know, so we don't – there's a lot of rumors circula- circulating around why Damon Hazelton has or hasn't played. You know, I, honestly, we don't really know. We don't, we don't really know. All I know is he was Virginia Tech's leading receiver last year, and he was a good blocker on the outside. So we're, Virginia Tech is missing him in terms of – large number of catches and also he'd be probably be their best or second best perimeter blocker and right now they've only got one good perimeter blocker and that's philip patterson yeah so and patterson doesn't doesn't play as much doesn't as play as much i think he should play because yeah. of that but uh i, I we need to have hazelton back in a big way let's talk more about the bye week and when you look at this team coming off the 24 17 win over Furman. What were some areas that you're hoping that Virginia Tech improved upon, worked on during the bye week? I am not going to say the running game. Hmm. You know, that, that that dead horse has been kicked and beaten and, and thrown off the roof David Letterman style and just abused. So, you know, that that's old news. Um, I think we talked about this last week or the week before. I hope that the freshman offensive line got a chance to watch themselves on film and, and really work on just continuing to learn their positions of, you know, one or two of these guys, the positions are new to them, you know. Uh, Hudson at center is, yeah. is probably the biggest one. So just get a chance to advance there because Duke, uh, as, as we'll get into, Duke, Duke's Duke got an older, experienced defensive line. Mm-hmm. This could be a problem. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. Uh, I, I don't think even – I don't think Sex is going to be able to run the ball Friday night. Even if they made improvements, you're not going to be able to tell it on Friday night. I mean, Duke held Alabama to 3.5 yards per carry, for goodness sake. Yeah. How is Virginia Tech's freshman going to block those group? It's, it's probably not going to happen. Uh, Virginia Tech has to win this game by throwing the football. And whether that means Duke gives them opportunities over the top again or this time Duke wises up and plays two high safeties, and that means Virginia Tech beats them through the short to intermediate passing game, then that part had to improve. So to me, uh, the passing game needs to get more consistent. So, so obviously of, the running game does. But one of the points to be made about last year's game is this is a game, this is a game that was played right after the ODU game. It was the first game Ryan Willis started. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any film on no Ryan film Willis. At all. Yeah. So you, you talk about Duke playing a lot of man coverage. Now that there's a whole year's worth of film on Ryan Willis, and and he's not the best at reading coverages, yeah, Duke's defensive I, game plan could be very different. It sh- it should be. Um, I don't know why anybody would come out and man coverage across the board or cover four or anything like that against Virginia Tech now, um, because it's proven that Virginia Tech, you know, without Stephen Peoples, isn't going to be able to have a consistent running game, and. Ryan Willis isn't the type of the quarterback that's going to pick you apart with the short to intermediate passes. He's just not that type of player. And at this point, he's a third of the way through his redshirt senior season. He's not going to magically become that type of player. Now, I think one pass he does throw really, really well is that short cross, like he threw to he Caleb, Caleb Smith. Man, he puts that <laughs> going back and watching old Logan Thomas film. You wish Logan could do that. You know, Ryan Willis puts that thing on the money, nice and soft, very catchable. Yeah, and that's such a slow developing play that as Virginia Tech plays better, teams are not going to have time to. Well, it's, I think it's the same play that Trey Turner wound up fumbling on, or a similar play. Uh, that was a screen. More, yeah. yeah. Okay. You're listening to the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. We're getting ready for Virginia Tech and Duke on Friday night at Lane Stadium. Let's talk about Willis. I plan for this. You look at his numbers last year against Duke, and you guys alluded to it. Fantastic. 17 of 27, 332 yards, three touchdowns, 
and no picks. What did Virginia Tech do that day to make him successful? What can they take from that game and try to apply this Friday against Duke? Uh, it depends on how Duke plays him. I think you can take a co- level of confidence that you beat Duke by 17 on the road last year. But, you know, once the game starts, I mean, Sean King didn't beat Duke last year. Tavion Robinson didn't beat Duke last year. All those freshman offensive year. linemen. The freshman beat. offensive linemen didn't beat Duke last year. Caleb Smith didn't beat Duke now, last year. Now, Tech does year. have better, I think, better defensive tackle play yeah, this but, year than they did. And they year. shut down Duke's running game last year. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Duke is not not particularly good in the skill position offensively. There are no more Jamison Crowders in that program. Um, which is one of the reasons why people thought Daniel Jones was overrated. In reality, if Daniel Jones has had good receivers, he would have put up monster numbers most likely. Yeah. Um, see, he, he's putting up better numbers with the Giants than he did in most games at Duke. Threw for like 330 yards yeah, yeah, yeah. with the Giants. Exactly. Um, I, I just don't know how Duke is going to play Tech de- defensively, um, so I, it's hard to say what you can take out of last year's game. I mean – Especially when a, a guy who made this a couple of those big plays, Kuma is now playing for somebody else, and Hazelton, who scored a touchdown in that game, and I think probably had a, had another big catch over man coverage. We don't know if he's going to be playing or not. Uh, we know Trey Turner can make those plays, but we don't know that Caleb Smith can make those plays. Um, we know that Phil Patterson can make them, but they don't seem to want to play Phil Patterson more than 20 snaps a game for some reason. So I don't know that we can take a lot out of last year's game, to be honest with you. Yeah. It felt like one thing last year, Will, and I understand you got a chance to kind of go back and watch. Like when I think about the Duke game from last year, I felt like Willis threw the back shoulder fade extremely well last year. Oh, that might have been a touchdown. That pass to me, you talk about the, the short crossing route. That is the one pass, though, in Willis's arsenal. He throws that jump ball so well. And I, I think that is one of the reasons why Willis starts over uh, Hooker and Patterson is, is you know, he's, he's got a, he doesn't have a stronger arm than Quincy. But he's he's a generally a more reliable, more accurate passer. But one of the things I think he does does better than Hendon is he has a stronger arm and throws that fade route really well. And you saw that against uh, Furman, the uh, the touchdown pass he had to I think it was Trey Turner. Turner I yeah, him. yeah. Uh, he that that was arguably the best game he played. I think if you go look at his passer ratings, he had other games where his passer rating was higher. But I I remember, you know. We talk about how the ODU game kind of derailed Tech's program. Not really. They nah. went to – Duke was ranked last year. They right. were ranked, 21st. I believe, 21st, 22nd. Yeah. I can't remember. One of them in my in, – in our write-up, one of them was ranked 22nd, one of them was ranked 24th. Both teams were ranked. Chris and I both picked Duke to win. But Tech went down there and played a really good game and outplayed Duke. And I think that made everybody feel better, particularly after Ryan Willis's performance. Yeah. Duke and then the next the next week was Notre Dame, and Tech played well in the first half against Notre Dame. Yeah, it's just the, yeah. Notre Dame was a more experienced team but, but, that but eventually made the playoffs. That so was really the beginning team. of five losses in six right. games, a right. couple of which Georgia it, Tech it, and Pitt. It wasn't made. really until they went down to North Carolina, and I know they won that game, but the defense got gashed. Yeah, where you were like, Ugh, that, that that wasn't pretty. Yeah, uh, they were ranked twenty second, and then of course Notre so Dame Tech was. was ranked. Okay. Or Duke was twenty-two. Yep. So, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that was that, that was Virginia Tech's best win last year. Was Duke correct? Ah, uh, no. Nah, I, th- I think it was Virginia. I mean, D- Duke is one of those teams. There, they have to. Their, their talent's so bad offensively, in my opinion, that they that they have to play a perfect game 
to ha- to have a chance to win. And generally, they 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 play as well as they can. Remember, Wake Forest beat them like fifty nine seven at the oh, end yeah, of last season. Oh yeah, crushed them. That's right. Yeah. So uh, oh, it was in the rain at Duke or something like that, and there were fifty uh, fans in the stands. Oh, the, the yeah. picture of the stands was incredible. Ooh, it was absolutely. It's like there no, wasn't even a, g- a game that day. Right. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Um. So I I, th- I think Tech's best win was against Virginia. I want to go back and talk about the running game. We touched on it a little bit, but it, the, the conversations we were having on the podcast leading up to Furman, the message boards, the fans, even F- Coach Fuente and the coaches, Tech's got to run the football better. And Kashawn King, over 100 yards rushing, averaged 9.5 yards per carry. Are you more at peace with the running game than you were two weeks ago? No. Uh, I'm, I'm more at peace with the future of it. Yeah. Because I think I think King did, and we talked about this. Uh, I actually said, uh, probably on the message board or, or maybe in an article, I said something like, "I wasn't really seeing the King hype until some of the plays he made against Furman." So now I look at that and I'm like, "Okay, you put 15 pounds of muscle on that kid and let him mature a little bit, and 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 he he could, you know, depending upon how they use him, he could be a thousand yard back." Um, I got to hedge that a little bit because he's not a big guy. Um, this year, I just worry about the fact that he's he's basically fresh out of high school, playing against grown men. He still you know? wear bra- wears braces. <laughs> he's still a kid. Yeah. Um, and then let's also discuss the offensive line a little bit. We talked about how Furman, Silas Jansey got pulled. Luke Danuta came in. Is that something we're expecting to see on Duke Danuta starting over Jansey? So, so Virginia Tech actually updated their depth chart in yeah. the game notes this week, and that's not one of the changes. That's not they one made. of the changes. Not that yeah. I would expect it to be. Uh, they finally put Nestor and Hudson as the starters. Right. Um, and Caleb Smith over Damon Hazelton. They finally did that. They've still got Grimsley over Robinson in the slot, and that has not been the case. Right. They've still got Deshaun McLeese or Keshawn King. Right. Uh, and defense, they've actually they've, they finally put Eli Adams up as the starter instead of uh, Tywan Garbutt. Garbutt. But I've actually heard that there's a decent chance Garbutt could come back this week. I hope I, so. I don't know if they'd start him if, you know, if he came back or whatever, but uh, – I don't necessarily worry about Tech's defensive ends this game, particularly left defensive end spot, because that right tackle for Duke is a true freshman. Uh, I, I wish you'd get Garbutt back and you can get an advantage there. Right. Uh, redshirt sophomore against a true freshman. Um, one of the few times a redshirt sophomore will have an advantage in an experience battle. Um, what were we talking about? The offensive line? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, so we kind of wandered down really the path wandered off. Uh, That's cool, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. How, I, I don't know what to expect from a week. I mean, I, I was shocked when Brian Hudson came in the game at center a few weeks ago. Yeah. I, I had no idea he had been working at centers. He was not listed on the depth chart as, as a center. He was listed as the third right tackle. So there's no way you can accurately make pr- predictions. on. I, I mean, like I said, I, I would move Tyrell Smith to center if it was me, assuming he can snap the football. Um. I, I don't I don't see how that that would make our performances worse, and it could preserve Brian Hudson's red shirt and make us better four years from now. Um, Are you listening, Coach? Right, uh, <laughs> but uh, now again, you know Zach Hoyt's been injured. He was the guy on the depth chart under Brock Hoffman. If Hoffman was dying eligibility, he would start at center. How much better does the offensive line become if Hoyt is healthy? I think they're better at picking up stunts and things like that. They get, they get better uh, pass blocking on the interior. And, and and how much of the protection calls does the center make? I mean, you know, I've got to admit, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, probably a decent amount. You know, yeah. it's, it's probably an important position as far as communication and things like that, sort of like Mike Linebacker or free safety on defense. Um, I don't think it wouldn't – he's not a dominant physical talent. 
I mean, it's not like Virginia, big, huge running lanes would just start opening them up in the middle, but I do think Tech would get a little better from a pass protection standpoint for sure. Yeah. Awesome. We're talking on the TSL podcast presented each and every week by the Fisher Law Firm, getting ready for Virginia Tech and Duke. Quickly, defensively, their bye week, I'm sure the defensive line is probably a group that both of you would say probably could enjoy a week to reflect with so much youth. So in, in doing research, I didn't do a lot, but uh, I was going through Chris's uh, game preview last night. And and I so I decided to go look up and just, just look at NCAA stats, not not the um, efficiency stats, the more, I uh, can't find the term, advanced stats, but just stats that the NCAA puts on their website. You know, Duke doesn't do anything particularly well. Um, they list 25 stats on the NCAA's website, and in 12 of them, Duke is between 50 and 80 in the country out of 130 teams. Um, there, there are like three stats where they're plus 100. There are only two statistics where they're top 40. They're number 33 and number 40 in these two stats, and they're not major stats. They're kind of minor stats. But one of the things I noticed is that uh, Duke is, let me see if I can remember this correctly off the top of my head, they are number one in the country in tackles for loss allowed per game. They only give up 2.33 tackles per, for loss per game. So they're not getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage. They are tied for third in the nation in sacks with, uh, I can't remember the statistic, but they're tied for sacks allowed, not sacks from your defense, but right. sacks allowed. So I, I looked up the Alabama game, and Alabama only had two TFLs against Duke mm-hmm. the entire game. And uh, Duke, I think, has only given up one sack, and Alabama had it. So they're not getting behind the chains. They're not getting stopped behind the line of scrimmage. I didn't go and look at their penalty stats, but they're a David Cutcliffe team. They're, they're probably not committing a lot of penalties. Um, so I start wondering, can Virginia Tech get pressure on their quarterback? We saw against Furman where – Bud did some stuff where he sent Chamari Connor, mm-hmm. and he said that gave Connor some confidence to make some plays. Yes, it, it, it's a FCS opponent, but you know you gotta you gotta walk before you can run. Um, and you know you talk about Duke having two freshman offensive tackles, one of whom actually grades out. The pretty left well. tackle has has been really good so yeah. far. So the fact that they're young doesn't mean they're bad. But I just wonder if uh, Bud's cooking some stuff up, maybe some blitz packages off the edge to try to stress those guys and make some plays. We'll talk about Duke on the other side of this timeout as we step aside and get a word from our friends at the Fisher Law Firm. We'll talk about the Duke Blue Devils, who are 2-1 in one coming into Blacksburg on Friday. This is the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Our thanks to Jonathan Fisher and his great team at the Fisher Law Firm for being the title sponsor of the Tax Sideline Podcast. We've got Malcolm, yes, he's related to Stuart, behind the scenes producing, Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, and I'm Evan Hughes on the podcast. So actually, set. terminology, you just called him a title sponsor. They are not a title sponsor. They're a presenting sponsor. Have we ever had this discussion? We have not. So this, the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl, Yeah. Tostitos is the title sponsor. 
If this was the fish or... The Rose Bowl presented by City. City is the presenting sponsor. So the title sponsor, your company name actually goes in the title. If you're the presenting sponsor, it's the regular title presented by. I, st- I apologize. As, 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 a, as a future broadcaster with a re- really bright future, you need to know the distinction. I, thought I, I do. No, I, I thought that was a really right. cool thing when I learned the distinction. I was like, ah, oh, I get that. I, there we are presenting sponsor. Yes, each and every if they were the title sponsor, be, be called the Fisher Law Firm Tech Sideline Podcast. Learning something new every day. There right. we go. Um, I've been well, at th- I've been at this a while. No, you have. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, let's uh, let's let's dive into Duke guys. The the, the Blue Devils. We we've kind of talked about them already, right. but let's, let's take a little bit of a deeper dive. There. First of all, they're two on one on the year, and I, I think a common theme is we probably don't know just how good Duke is because of the opponents they've played. They open up their year against Alabama, who they held scoreless in the first quarter, down 14-3 at halftime, end up losing 42-3. to yeah. Alabama came alive in the second half. Then they beat North Carolina A&T 45-13, knocked off Middle Tennessee State 41-18. to mm-hmm. So it, is it fair to say that we really don't know how good Duke is? I, th- I think that's fair. Chris. Absolutely fair to say about most teams at this yeah. point in the country after three games. Yeah, particularly when you consider the level of competition most of them played. But but Chris yeah. has done his homework on Quentin Harris and, and his uh, performance against the good teams versus... Yeah, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but... And his starts, in his two career starts against Power 5 opponents, he's completed fewer than 50% of his passes. Like, that's – it's he went, I think, 12 of 22 against Alabama. But last year against Baylor, he was 12 of 30. And just, Yeah, so this is dating back to last year. Yeah, uh, when he replaced the injured Daniel Jones early in the season. Uh, he puts up huge numbers against FCS competition and Middle Tennessee, which I think ranks 114th in the country in total defense. Um I think he's really well coached, obviously, with David Cutcliffe. I he's think, a redshirt uh, senior. Yeah, right? he's a redshirt senior now. He's very experienced. Um, but he's just – I think he's limited when it comes to the passing game. Yeah. Um, Duke's offense doesn't scare me. You know, the, to the triple option that they're running some this year, that scares you. But it's good that Virginia Tech just played Furman, and they just saw some of those same elements in the Furman game. So they've really been preparing – for some of the same thing two weeks in a row, and that always helps. So it'd be like, oh, if you'd played Navy the week before you played Georgia Tech which or earlier in the season. Yeah, everybody uh, yeah. who had to play Georgia Tech on a regular basis was actually interested in scheduling Navy. I was interested in scheduling, yeah, scheduling for Navy. For that reason. But, but, uh, Back under Paul Johnson. Exactly. Um, so that, that helps. Um, I, I, don't, I don't fear Duke's talent level on offense. I, I don't think they'll – Beat, go out and beat Virginia Tech man versus man. I, 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 I obviously they're really well coached, so that concerns you. Um, I, I worry about you know the option and the misdirection and stuff like that. But Tech, I thought played a really mentally strong game against Furman. Yes, you expect Virginia Tech to physically dominate Furman, but what impressed me was they were improved, much improved from a mental standpoint defensively. Defensively in, in, yeah. in that game. Um, so I think that bodes well going into this game, and I think the Tech defense will play well. Yeah, I, I you know I worry about uh, Harris scrambling, and I, I don't know his rushing statistics right off the top of my head. He's probably got a couple hundred yards on the season. He's our leading rusher. Something like yeah, that's that's true. Um, but I just went over how nobody's getting in behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, Alabama had one sack for eight yards. I do remember that statistic. So without being able to go back and watch Duke game film, they're they're doing something right, you know. Let's talk about Quentin Harris a little bit more in depth. His stats so far this year, he's pretty accurate, 66 of 91, 
eight touchdowns, two picks. Two picks were against Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got only a long of 39 on the year. Uh, 679 passing yards. He's a redshirt senior. So is he more than a game manager for Duke? Is he the kind of guy who can put the game on his back and win it through the air? I I think everybody on du- offensively for Duke has to be on the exact same page, and they have to be operating at max efficiency for their offense to be successful. Um, and I think David Kalkoff has always been elite at getting the most out of his players, but does not have a lot of talent on this Duke team. Just there's just not a lot there. Mm-hmm. I think their top two running backs are, are solid, but I don't think they're you can really tell it because there's not much of a threat of a passing game with with mediocre receivers and an offensive line that I think plays well together. They play smart, but they're not physically imposing at all. Um, so it's just they're, they're limited for from a talent standpoint on, on offense. I, I think they get the most out of that talent, um, but you know I, I don't I don't see them going on like a 14 play 85 yard drive in the fourth quarter to beat Virginia Tech. I don't think they're that type of offense. Yeah. And you look you look at the the running game. So as we alluded to earlier, Quentin Harris is the leading rusher on the team with 203 yards. Their running back who is a junior, Deion Jackson, 177 yards. So does this game come down to will who runs the football better? Darn, that's a good question. I think it comes down to turnovers, Evan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great answer. You can never go wrong with that. Yeah, I, you know, Virginia Tech, they, they don't run the ball particularly well. Uh, they don't score a lot of points either, but they, they find ways to manufacture some offense without their traditional running game. Uh, I just I don't know that we're going to sit there afterwards unless Duke lines up and does something unusual and runs for 300 yards. I don't think we're going to be talking about the rushing game after this game. To answer your question. Yeah, I agree. I think we'll either we'll be talking about turnovers and which group of receivers made plays and whether Tech made mental errors defensively. I think those will be the topics of conversation that will decide. The and picture. what happened I, in special I th- teams. Right. I, I think the running games or, or the lack thereof, I think, it's a guy, I think both teams will be lacking in, in this game. I think they'll kind of cancel each other out. Last thing before we get to predictions. Virginia Tech is 0-1 in the ACC, lost to Boston College to open up the season. How important is this game for Virginia Tech in terms of the ACC Coastal race? Well, based on what I've seen so far, I don't have high hopes for for Virginia Tech winning the Coastal. But if they lose this game, they're out. Oh, they're out. They're toast. Done. 100% done. So 0-2? Yeah, yeah. And with 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 road games at Miami, Georgia Tech, Virginia. Miami, Virginia. Not that Georgia Tech should be terribly difficult this year, but you know, and, and a home game against Pitt, who has just looked so physical. You know, I, I that we'll talk about that matchup later on. I don't like that matchup at all. So, in a lot of ways, this game can determine the course of the season in terms of being competitive. But in the coastal, in terms absolutely. of whether you would have a chance to win the coastal, yes, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, let's dive into some predictions. You said it was interesting, and uh, I'm curious to see uh, what you guys come up with. I'll, I'll tee it up over to you. Give me a, give me a key and uh, maybe a final score, Will. So when you see our game preview, you will see that one of us picks Duke to win and the other one of us picks Duke to lose. I pick Virginia Tech to win. I totally get the opposing viewpoint. There's, I really don't like the matchup of Duke's experienced defensive line grown man defensive line against Virginia Tech's young offensive line. All kinds of rumors circulating about uh, Ryan Willis's shoulder not being good. Um, just just a lot of nothing you can verify. 
I, I get a bad vibe, so I get picking Duke to win. Now, now last year Duke was favored. I believe I looked it up. They were favored by five. Chris and I both picked them to win. Wrong. Tech played a great game, and Duke didn't make plays. Uh, this time around, I looked up this morning, and, and betting sites always confuse me because I don't bet, but I believe the Hokies are favored by three um, for whatever that's worth. You know, it's a game in, in Lane Stadium this time instead of down in, uh, down in Durham. Uh, I get – it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Duke win this thing, but I just I can't bring myself to pick it. I particularly can't bring myself to pick Duke to win two years in a row. So I'm going with Tech 27 to 20. Don't know where the 27 is going to come from, <laughs> but I don't pick Tech to score over 30 anymore because it's not something they do very often. So you know, 27 20. That's uh, the Hokies win. That's where I'm going. And who are we going to be talking about Monday if Tech wins? In your opinion, one player. Trey Turner. Uh, I'd love to be talking about Hezekiah Grimsley. I think he's such a phenomenal athlete, and, and but he's just not getting a lot of playing time. But it's 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 going to be Trey. If it's Kishon King, that'll be exciting. Yeah, but yeah. but my, my guess would be Trey. And uh, on defense, depending upon what Bud, it just depends upon what Bud does. Sure. It's, it's hard to say. I've got it 2017 Duke. Um Virginia Tech, what's the line on, on the spreads? The, uh, they, they've covered – how many times did Tech cover the spread last year? I don't know about last year, but this year they haven't. They haven't covered it at all. Yeah. So And not even close. And not, e- and not even close. All right, so if they don't cover the spread this time and still win, that means they either either going to win by two or one. Right. So you're not giving yourself a lot of room, breathing room there. Yeah. Uh, I think Tech has a good chance to win the game. I think it's a 50-50 toss-up I call game, it a really. toss-up, yeah. Um, but I just – I don't – if I knew that Damon Hazleton and Zachariah Hoyt and Taiwan Garbutt, those guys were going to play, I'd be much more inclined to pick Virginia Tech, but I don't know that. Um, if I had seen Virginia Tech go a game this year without committing two or more turnovers, I would pick Tech, but I haven't seen it yet. Um, so I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to see it first. Um, and I, I think Duke is one of those teams that they just play smart and they get the absolute most out of their talent. They put a lot of experienced players on the field, so it's easier to get the most out of your talent when you put so much experience on the field. Uh, Duke's got a good defense this year despite having two, their two starting linebackers and never started before because one of them is – they're both fourth-year players. One of them's a true senior. The other's a redshirt junior. And that, that, that's what happens when you can keep players in your program and develop over the long term. Even if you don't necessarily have a returning starter there, your guy's still going to have experience being in the program and in the system and things like that. And that's how David Cutcliffe's been able to, to build that program. Uh, Tech needs to do the same thing except a little bit higher level recruiting, right. of course. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think if I, thought turn, if I knew for a fact that turnovers were going to be even or that Damon Hazelton was a comeback or anything like that, then I would pick Tech. But I haven't, I don't see the evidence of either one of those. Yeah, so I, so I would call his prediction more uh, realistic and mine more optimistic, is kind of how I'd categorize that. I like it. We've got a Hokey and we've got a Blue Devil pick. And it, uh, it should be a, you know, a Friday night game in Lane. Just quickly, you know, I know Friday Night Lights is a. Is a big deal. I'm learning in Southwest Virginia, and you know what it will be like in your, y'all's opinion to have a game. So in Lane we'll, on Friday we'll be night. watching those students to see if they stay in that north end zone for the second half, since the well, sun's not going to be shining on them. Sun's not going to be shining on them. There, there's some kind of a event at halftime too. There's a uh, 
parachute drop or something oh, like yeah? that. One of those cool things. I, I saw it in the email text sent out yesterday. I haven't gotten a chance to yeah. read through stuff. I spent the yesterday in Charlotte buying Darth Vader's there, there, truck. There's a third quarter phone <laughs> light show in the third quarter. Yeah, so. Okay, okay, so they're so they're, they're they're trying to do things. Do not criticize Virginia Tech. They're trying. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're trying to do things to keep people in. The what do you want them to hand out twenty dollar bills with yeah. two minutes left to go in the fourth quarter? I mean, you know. And then Friday's also, I believe, it's the. Wait a minute, how much would that cost? Ten thousand students, twenty dollars each. You know, uh, to get them to stay till there's two minutes left in the game. <laughs> Friday's also the. Uh, we'll, the let, we'll let Brad Worthman work on that. Friday's also what? Oh, the, the great Brad yeah. Worthman. So it's a white effect, and it's the twentieth. It's the twenty year anniversary of the nineteen ninety nine team. Honoring the nineteen ninety nine team. There's going to be some pretty cool videos run on that. Uh, oh, there's already a video up. On, I haven't been a, had a chance to watch it yet, but there's a video up of the ninety nine team and the ninety nine season and stuff that Virginia Tech put Coach out late Beamer. last night. Yep. Yeah, so so, so Evan, uh, in in planning for this podcast, Evan asked me, "Do you want to talk about the?" It was either this podcast or the previous the podcast. Monday. Do you want to talk about the '99 team? And I'm like, "No, that'll just make people mad." Um, that was before we got to apply the transitive property to football against how Virginia played against ODU versus Virginia Tech against ODU. So um, anyway, yeah. So uh, white effect and honoring the '99 team. It's gonna be fun. So uh, wear your big jerseys if you get it. Well, you're not gonna have a white one though. I'll let you make the choice, yeah, folks. Let's turn it over to Malcolm. Yes, he's related to Stuart, our fantastic producer here at Tech Sideline. Uh, Malcolm, how's everything going on Facebook? Good. Good. You want to talk about football? Do you want your uh, one-hit wonder predictions? We'll get to oh, let's oh. Do football first. We'll get to one-hit wonder after okay. that. I can't wait to hear the one-hit wonder stuff. Uh, Dale Kaiser has a recruiting question. He's seen No, James no recruiting questions, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's seen James and Lambert want to be a package deal. What are the Hokies' chances uh, of getting both of them? Who? Or James, James and Lambert. And Lambert. So Keandre, oh, Keandre Lambert, Lambert, Lambert and Lamarion James. Lamarion James. Did they go to the same high school? I, we, we have not been following recruiting now. I've, ever since the season started, I literally edit Jason Stame's articles, and that's it. I don't yeah. have time to even. So, but Lamary and James decommitted. They de- decommitted from UNC, and they, they are, know each other, and they are friends. Fuente was at the Mari game over the weekend. Um, so you do because he does recruit people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's a very uh, engaging person uh, who works hard at recruiting. Right. So, I think if they do go to the same school, it'll probably be Virginia Tech. Hmm. Um, I don't even know what position Lamarian James plays. Cornerback. Um, Quarter. Corner. Corner. Uh, so you got to. No, do, Virginia uh, doesn't produce quarterbacks. Yeah, well, you got that point. Uh, and and yeah. the guy uh, Northern Virginia that's coming in twenty twenty one. And La- Lambert, so, excuse me, the seven five seven. And Lambert's a pretty uh, highly rated. Receiver, oh, he's right? he's our top player yeah, on the top. board. Yeah, he's Cam Chancellor's cousin. Uh, he's been considered a tackling, although some. Say no. He's supposed to visit this week for, for Duke. So, yeah, I mean, Tech has a chance to land both of those guys. I, I would say at this point I would put them as probably the favorite for James. Um, I, th- I think Lambert could, could probably go either way. But if he has a good visit this weekend – then they've got a very good shot. I love that James decommitted from UNC. I just love it. I know. And What you've got to do is – I know Mac Brown, the whole recruiting boost. But is it really a boost – I'm not sure that it is. It's a boost over like the last year of Larry Fedora, but that's it. it I peaked. don't know if you if you look at the charts Ox produces for where the coastal recruits are ranked. I, I think UNC looks pretty good because they've had two decommits like in the last couple of weeks. 
Um, Ox, we need a new chart. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He he puts out some great stuff. Yeah, he also uh, they, I think the guy from West Virginia, the defensive lineman, also. Although a kid from Bluefield, Sean I can't remember Martin. his name. Sean Martin. Yeah, I think. he decommitted also. I think. Where where was he committed to? Oh, UNC. Oh yeah. man, yeah. what's going on there? You losing your mojo you lo- there, man? Lose to App State and then lose two uh, football games. Oh right, right, right. Mm. What All else right. over there, Malcolm? What we got? Scott McCarty gave me one of the longest questions I've ever seen. But I'll cut it down to what's Virginia Tech's offensive strength and identity now, and what moves by coaches make the most sense given offensive personnel and performance? So they, they don't have an offensive strength or identity. Uh, uh, I guess you, you could say it's wide receivers. Yeah. Um, but, even, but with Hazleton out, still two of your three receivers are fri- starting receivers are freshmen. Yeah. Um, so is that your, a strength, or is, it just, or is that just the – the the last week, I I like the passing game in general. I don't love it, but uh, I, I see. I think it's limited because Willis is not good at the short to intermediate stuff. Yeah. I just don't think he sees the field well in situations where they need short to intermediate stuff. And, and you very good at throwing the football down the field. Um, very good at those crossing routes. patterns. Yeah. Uh, but he's not going to have time to throw those all year. Yeah. Um, because the you know the offensive line isn't that great. So the second half of the question is, what do you do with personnel? But, well, there just but, aren't options. There, there just there, there just really aren't that many options. I, I've made the suggestion to move Tyrell Smith to center, maybe slide tried Janzy at, at right guard and things like that. Yeah. Um, maybe they would help a little bit. I I don't know. Um, I don't but, know how. But t- there's only so many pieces. Yeah, to move I just I don't think Willis is a complete quarterback. Right. Um, no, but he's the, so he's definitely the best. If the wide receivers are the strength, he's the best quarterback. He's the guy to leverage that strength. He's the guy to leverage that strength because yeah. I don't think Hinton and Hooker could leverage it. Yeah. All right. Let's At this uh, point in time. right. Let's uh, let's have some fun here too. Let's close out, close out the podcast. I said at the beginning today is national. One hit wonder day, and we talk a lot about music on the podcast. So I saw that, thought this would be fun. Before we get uh, to the questions, first of all, this is a Rolling Stones article that came out in 2011. I'm going to go with that. I've got the top eight in front of me. Okay. Would you, would you guys like to take a couple of guesses before we turn it over to Malcolm? Uh, I'm not up to date on music history. So this is so, so looking at looking at all that, over decade. looking at that top eight. Give me time frames. Uh a good amount of 80s, maybe a little bit of <laughs> that 90s makes sense. in here. A little bit of nineties, no seventies. Uh, if if it is seventies, I don't know. Okay. Um, the but the first two you 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 could get Chris. There's no. A, I'm well, sure. So I'm sure if you said it, and I'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm not going to be able. I'm to not good at thinking. Well, let's, let's turn over the board. You think about yeah. it. Well, let's turn it over yeah, to you, the you go ahead, Facebook. Malcolm, read some of them there off of Facebook. Take some guesses. Okay, so we've got you can't touch this MC Hammer. Hmm. Yeah, he had a couple other songs. That is not in the top eight, but it's I, not Hammer's a not actually a one hit wonder. Yeah. Ice Ice Baby. They are a one-hit wonder, but in this article, they are not in the top eight. That's a good oh, wow. guess. Uh, Mickey? Mickey by Tony Basil. Yeah. What about uh, Tainted Love by Soft Cell? Tainted Love by Soft Cell is number five. All right. Uh, is, is she blinding me with science? Is that on there? Not in the top eight. Okay. Uh, I'm starting to run out of any, anybody. Anything Eye else? of the Tiger? Uh, no, Survivor? No, they, they had more than one hit. Yeah. They had Eye of the Tiger, and then I don't remember. Those are some good guesses. I'll, I'll go ahead and go uh, 
So I've, so go to go down the listing. What, Malcolm? I've never heard of Dexy's Midnight Runners. Ah, oh, come dude. on, Eileen. Come on, Eileen is number two on the uh, list. Right? Eileen. Yeah. Okay. Come on, Eileen. See, I hate that song. No. I, I, oh I my like gosh. They played Eileen all the time. I don't I love get the that fuss song. over it. I really don't. So oh so go to go down the list and, and give me hints. So we, don't, a, we don't want to spend a ton of time. Sure. On it. Um, I'll be honest. I can only really give you one hint, and I would give away the number one. Um, there's one country song and it has country in the artist's name oh, and the song lyric. is it achy breaky heart Mm-mm. it has country in the it, uh, country is in the artist's name and in the lyric of the song that's the one hit wonder that's about the wow i have no idea. I'll, I'll go eight to one again i don't know how accurate this is this is what they were oh, using on opinion, espn yeah. this one. so number eight is uh tub thumping by <laughs> chumbawamba Yep. Never heard of Number seven I is... I get knocked down, and I oh, get up again. Oh, okay. All right, all right. Number seven is no uh, Blind Melon, No Rain. I don't know it by name. Number six, everyone should know this one. Uh, the Knack, My Sharona. Yeah, yeah. My Sharona. I don't know dun, that that's dun. a one-hit wonder. But anyway, but that it, was a monster hit. Great song. Number five, Soft Cell, Tainted Love, as we said. Number four, Big Country in a Big Country. No, come on. When you said when you said it was in the band name and in the song title, I thought, well, Big Country, Dream by Big Country. No, okay, I love the song. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not sure I'd name it one of the top five one hit wonders of all time. Number three is Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, what Malcolm? is Rick Astley on there? Never gonna give Never you gonna up. Gonna it's give not. You. <laughs> that's a great song. Number two is Dexy Midnight's Runners. Come on, Eileen. And the number one, I think this was pretty. Well, I, I listen to a lot of 80s. Number one is Aha, Take On Me. I think that's a fairly reasonable See, number that, one. That, that's that's tough because you say that, and I immediately think The Sun Always Shines on TV was a was a decent hit for them. So it's it, you start getting these arguments about how do you, how do you categorize sure. a one-hit wonder. And there are true one-hit wonders. And then some of them you're like, oh, well, they did have one or two other songs that I remember, you know, so... So uh, anyway, I thought that was fun that, that's that's I would solid. go Marcy Playground, Sex and Candy. That was okay. I was reading a different article earlier. That was on a different one. I okay. just went with the Rolling Stones. How about I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred? That is a true one-hit wonder. Okay. Yeah. Th- hey, these I'm, are I'm all. I'm too sexy for my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but Ice Ice Baby was a good one. I'm surprised that was not. That's on there, excellent. Yeah. That was yeah. so. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. That's going to wrap it up. Uh, just under an hour today on the podcast, Virginia Tech and Duke on Friday. Be sure to drink some stick it in ale if you're of age. Uh, support Tech sideline, and uh, we'll be back on Monday recapping Tech and Duke. Recapping and, uh, Tech's victory over Duke. It's going to be 27-20. We'll be talking about Trey Turner, and we'll we'll have all of his boxes checked, and uh, we'll have a new. Uh, uh, lyric in the bio hopefully on monday as well. i will try to get to that yes yeah. it's been a it's been a whirlwind eight days so well hopefully things will slow down a glad little you got your truck cc enjoy your tailgating and uh, we'll talk monday all right that's going to do it for this episode of the tech sideline podcast for our fantastic producer malcolm yes he's related stewart behind the scenes on the podcast center managing editor chris coleman our founder and head honcho will stewart i'm evan hughes proud host of the tech sideline podcast saying so long enjoy national one hit wonder day and we'll talk to you next time right here on the tech sideline podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm.